Storm Bowling Products, the Bowlers Company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is former Wichita State Shocker Mike Jasnow. You can find Mike at Lane 81, which is located inside the National Bowling Stadium. Mike is a silver certified coach as well as a Bowler's Journal Top 100 coach. He has been giving lessons at the stadium now for over 15 years. Mike just finished up this year with the USBC Open Championships, both men and women being held in Reno. Thought it'd be great to get Mike on, kind of chat about some of the uh, comings and goings in Reno and then get his perspective on bowling in general. So, Mike, I want to thank you for my joining myself and Coach K today. Thanks, guys. Great to be back on. Well, Mike, we thought it's always good to chat with you. And one of the things, let's kind of just briefly touch on the USBC Open, which just finished, and just kind of talk about your impressions overall of the tournament, but then also your impressions of how some of the younger folks did and the folks that maybe were were coming up and this may have been their first tournament, whether they just finished bowling collegiately or or were still in college and came out to the stadium for the first time. Yeah, we just finished up a couple weeks ago there in Reno, a long tournament, 20 weeks. Lots of lots of work for me, which I like. Um, it was great to see lots of new bowlers, to be honest, and lots of younger new bowlers. Uh, several collegiate bowlers, it was their first time at Nationals. I think they all had a good time no matter how they bowled. Obviously, there were some great performances by the new bowlers also. That one team finished in the top ten easily. Uh, they had to just miss the leader for a while. Uh, scoring pace, as you all know, is fairly high this year. I think for being a sports shot, it was a pretty easy shot. Um, a lot of people were kind of up in arms a little bit about the 37-20 that was shot. I'm surprised there weren't more scores close to that, to be honest, 3,600 or better. Um, I know that's a huge number, but it's just a matter of time before all five bowlers bowl well at the same time. So it didn't shock me at all. And that team that shot that team full of great bowlers. So you can't really knock them for bowling well. Yeah, what do you think, Mike? I mean, as far as, you know, strategy, I know a lot of times when the bowlers come to you and you're on lane 81 and, and you're going through your lessons and stuff with them, you give them some ideas on strategy on conquering the pattern this year. Now, every year it's a sport-compliant tournament, but, it, you know, in your opinion, why were the scores so much higher this year, you know, still being a sport uh, oil pattern? What, what, what do you think about that? Last year, if you reference back to last year, there was some pretty high scores over 3,500 there. there was, in my opinion, last year there was more hold than swing. This year, in my opinion, there was more swing than hold. And I think a lot of bowlers are used to swinging the ball on house shots. So it kind of fit their games better. Um, with the advantage of the catch system that I have on lane 81, I can see ball placement on the lane to a hundredth of an inch at the arrows and at the break point. What I saw in a fresh condition this year in team, and this is with nobody breaking it down, nobody wearing a shot in. There was three to four boys at the break point to hit the pocket and strike on the fresh condition. That's quite a bit of room for the high-level bowlers. So I think that that in combination with there's a lot more information out there, I think people get more prepared. I should say the people that bowl well get more prepared than they used to. Um, practice on the pattern more, have their equipment set up the right way when they get there. So I think those are all factors. And, Mike, when we talk about the younger players, does it seem to you like it was their first time at the stadium, their first time bowling the event, but 
they're used to being on the stage because I know a lot of the, the folks that me and Steve were talking to earlier were out there in May for the tournament, the, uh, the USBC, the, um, the collegiate tournament that was going on at the convention center, and they just made it like, kind of like a two-for-one sort of trip. So they come out and bowl the event at, at the stadium, and there's not really this quote-unquote off factor anymore. It's just shoe up and bowl. So there isn't that as much anymore with these younger collegiate players. I agree totally. I mean, collegiate bowling is one of the best things I ever did in my bowling career, uh, whether I was bowling or coaching. I uh, love working with the younger bowlers. Uh, Steve, you can attest to that, that especially there at Wichita State. We were some of the forerunners there of uh, guys that were not in short had some good success. And with the collegiate bowling these days, it's very competitive. So you get used to that competitive nature and being in stressful competition and uh, situations, and you're, you're more used to it, you're more prepared. You're, you expect it. And uh, I think a lot of those bowlers came in there expecting to bowl well, not hoping to not bowl badly and embarrass themselves. Like, too many people do that at national. But, yeah, college bowlers, they're, they're prepared for other things after college, that's for sure, and even during college bowling. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, they, and they're definitely prepared as far as bowling on tougher conditions now when you come out you know when you're used to bowling on those a uh, little bit more challenging oil patterns in college you step it up to the next level and then all of a sudden you're, you have more experience of that uh, what uh, what's your experience been as far as this past season uh, or this you know this past tournament here in Reno as far as coaching younger players uh, two-handed technique are you seeing a lot more of that now than you have in the past or is it kind of flat or what, what have you seen uh, I think I worked with maybe uh, three two-handers out of a little over 600, so it's certainly not taking over. Uh, I think it's it's not a wrong way to bowl. I have no problem with that. Um, I think it's a very difficult way to bowl well. Uh, it takes a while. I think one of the more challenging things is developing ball speed. Um, and who knows long-term what's going to happen. It's a lot of wear and tear on the body. Uh, you know, it's just like years ago when, when uh, people started bowling without their thumb on the ball. They said, oh, my God, they were going to start bowling without their thumb on the ball. That didn't happen. I think the same thing will be the case with the two-handed bowling. You'll have a, a, several of them, but it won't dominate, I don't think. So, Mike, seeing on the two-handed theme, what um, when you're coaching them or if you would have a player who is going from one hand to two-hand, is there anything – uh, number one, would you advise that on anyone? Or if someone came to you and said, hey, I want to bowl two-handed versus my one-hand delivery, what would you say to them? And then would their age matter? Because like you said, the younger versus the older, and I've talked to even younger bowlers who have said that it takes wear and tear on your lower back and on your core muscles just a little bit more than, than throwing it one-handed. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot more wear and tear on the core and on the back. Um, you know, if somebody says that they want to bowl two-handed, I would first ask them why. Like, what's wrong with the, the one-handed style? Uh, most people that come to me and say they want higher rev rate. Well, it's not all about rev rate, in my opinion. If it were, all the high-level bowlers would have the same exact rev rate, the one that struck the most. And even on the pro tour these days, it's very from upper 200 to over 550 to 600. If the number mattered, they all have the same, the one that struck the most. So, you know, yes, you can develop more power, but is it effective power? That's the question. Uh, someone like Carolyn Doran Ballard couldn't have the highest rev rate, but she's had a really, really successful bowling career and is still going. So, um, you know, two-handers, uh, most of the people that came to me two-handed already are bowling two-handed. They didn't come to me if they had bowling one-handed. I went to teach me how to bowl two-handed. So most of the people I work with are already bowling two-handed. Some were 
you know, maybe for a few months, um, all their life. Oh, I can't, uh, I, I can't not comment. We're talking about a rev rate and I'm driving through Oklahoma. Successful bowler, one of the most successful bowlers in the last, I'd say, five, ten years or so, and, and just won an eagle this year there was part of the team event from Oklahoma, Pete Thomas. Not a high rev rate. In fact, one of the lowest you'll find, but is able to manage his equipment, uses surface very, very well, and also is extremely accurate. And, and not only do he win a title this year, um, and shooting the all-time rate, you know, he's on the team, and I, he had a seven uh, seven fifty something, I think it was, and uh, and and also one. He, he was also uh, he had no opens in the BTM tournament as well. So he made another you know hefty check from that as well. So I think yeah, you bring up an important point. It's not all about the rev rate, is it? No, I don't think so. It's like I said, he's a great example. You watch him bowl. And he is sneaky good because you think, oh, this guy's no problem. Then he kicks your ass. So, <laughs> and, and you know that's the case where accuracy, repetitiveness, uh, consistency, knowing your equipment, knowing how to play the lane. I think those are kind of bigger factors than actual rev rate. So, Mike, do you see when when a younger player comes to you, uh, either one or two handed? What is one of the things, is, is accuracy one of the main things that you work with younger players, or do you have a main thing when you, when you have a player, whether it be in high school or whether he's a collegiate bowler? Is it accuracy, or is it spare shooting, or is it a combination, or is it rev rate? Is there something that you can kind of pinpoint and say, you know, college players are kind of lacking a little bit of this or that? You know, I don't think it's, uh, there, there's not really a blanket statement for that. I think it's really based on the individual bowler. Uh, just this last weekend, I was up in Wisconsin with uh, Mike Shady doing a couple some lessons and some clinics, and we worked with some of the so this one kid I worked with, uh, both junior gold. He's both junior gold three times. He's finished in the top 35 all three, which is really impressive considering that he's being a thousand people. Um, and you know, some of the younger bowlers at a really young age, I think spares are very important because that adds lots of to the average very quickly. Uh, I think managing lane play, managing emotions, the mental part of the game is also important for younger bowlers as they develop. Uh, just learning equipment. Just a lot of the basic things, but, you know, there's not really an age. I don't consider age as much as other factors when I work with somebody. I look at timing, I look at balance, I look at just overall fluidity, um, the right mix of power with accuracy. So I don't think it's really an age thing so much. I know, uh, you know, heading right now to uh, Wichita State University, they, they execute a number of great uh, uh, youth bowling camps in the summer. Every summer, the Shocker Bowling Camps, and I'm actually heading up there right now. And I know uh, one of the things that they do emphasize a lot, you know, when you come to that program is the importance of, you know, teamwork and in communication, and, and, and is that something as well that you coach uh, some of the players on? You know, you, you look at the success of some of the teams, but like you just said, you just uh, were there working with Mike Shady and the success that they've had with their team. Um, I, I got to attribute not just only, you know, physical talent for the individual players, but maybe the team play as well. Absolutely. You know, when I both worked so say, I don't know that we had the strongest five guys when, when I was there, but we had the strongest team. Um, and I think, you know, all levels of team bowling, especially competitive team bowling, like college bowling, it's 
required that you work together as a team almost. And if you don't, you're at a big disadvantage. That also applies to when you go to nationals. You know, just watching other people's ball reactions. You know, see where people are hitting at the arrows at the break point, what kind of equipment they're using. Keep the communication going. You know, if I go up there and make a good shot and it goes through the nose, you can bet your ass I'm coming back to say, guys, that is a good shot. That hooked early. I think it's time to move. If they tell me, no, you missed in, that wasn't as good as you thought, I'm going to believe them because they're my teammates. But if they agree with me that that was a good shot off my hand, not only do I have to move, so do they. And if you don't keep up with that, that's a lot of pins you're giving away. So, Mike, regarding college bowling, that's actually one thing. You know, there's been some some talk of the decline of bowling and the decline of league play. But college bowling and people bowling collegiately is actually something that's thriving. Junior gold, like you mentioned, is thriving. Just had another great tournament this year up in upstate New York. Uh, what do you, what do you think? What can be done to keep these folks bowling, these young kids, and keep people enthused? Is it you know, like you mentioned, the sport patterns that we bowl on at the USBC Open? So, Mike, what can be done to keep bowlers interested after they bowl collegiately? Yeah, I agree. I think junior bowling is very important to the success of bowling overall. Uh, the week before last, I was actually in California for four days of lessons right after nationals. Uh, Cloverleaf Family Bowl in uh, Fremont. And I tell you, I was there Tuesday through Friday, midsummer, during the week, midday. They had a waiting list every day for lanes, 40 lanes which is very impressive. They have a great junior program. One of the centers that we were in Wisconsin over the weekend, over 850 junior bowlers, over 5,500 league bowlers. So I agree that overall bowling is on a decline nationally, but if the proprietor does the right things and has a great, strong junior program, I see those centers doing very well. Uh, Collegiate bowling, I agree. It's great, and I have to bring up, uh, so happy to hear that – Brian and Channel Keith were taking over the McKenzie program in college, um, McKenzie University there. Um, two great people, excellent coaches, and watch out for that program in the future because I think they're going to end up being a powerhouse where, the, where that team leads them. Um, I, I truly hope that in the future something happens good with the PBA. I know as I was bowling in college, I had something to look forward to after college as far as going out to the pro ranks. Um, I hope that in the future the, the college bowlers have that to look forward to also. A final question I have for you, Mike. What's your uh, what's your schedule looking like here in, on the coaching scene? I know you do some traveling. You mentioned you know going to see Mike Shady uh, in Wisconsin here recently, and you think you have some upcoming trips, uh, more coaching ventures as well, don't you? I do, and uh, you know I'm kind of silly where I wish I had thought ahead a little bit more because I'm really tired right now. <laughs> At the Nationals, and I, I've done that long enough. That was actually my 10th Open Championship I worked in my 16th year at the stadium. Um, and I scheduled several coaching venues right after Nationals. I spent four days in California, went to Wisconsin last weekend, and I actually get to be home for seven whole days right now. Uh, next week I'm going up to Montana, four days in Bozeman, four days in Butte, home for a couple weeks, and going back up to Alaska. Uh, doing several days in Anchorage, several days in Fairbanks, and maybe some other little side trips along there. Um, so, yeah, I'm staying pretty busy coaching. And one thing I love about coaching is I see the bowlers that come in for lessons. They're very open-minded. They want to improve their games. And after lesson, they come back and practice. They're in the center more. It's good for everybody all around, the bowlers, the proprietor, and the coach. Awesome stuff as always, Mike. Thanks for joining us and, and shedding some light 
on uh, on everything from collegiate bowling to the USBC Open Championship. And uh, all the best of luck with everything. And we will be in touch. At uh, have you on again, Mike? Of course. Thanks, Tim. Always good to be on. Steve, always good to be on with you. Also, tell Jordan when you see him. I said hello up in Wichita. Will do. Absolutely. Go, go Shockers. <laughs> <laughs>